0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode number 28 of Real Blend, a podcast that stands at attention and salutes every time it hears Bill Pullman's speech from Independence Day.
1: We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate... Our Independence Day. Yes,
0: thank you. My name is Sean (laughs) O'Connell. I am the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. And if you happen to be watching the podcast on our Facebook page, we welcome you. Hello, how are you guys doing? Good to be, good to have you back with us. Um, Leave us a comment or a question, and producer Gabe behind the glass will make sure that we try our best to address it on the show. So long as we're not racing to beat the clock. Uh, Before we get going, please say hello to my wonderful co-hosts Jake Hamilton and Kevin McCarthy. Hello, boys. Hello. Oh, we
2: we get a combined wow. introduction today. We well, don't have time well, for our single introduction. Did you, you that, Jake? I did notice that, man. You that get a special. combined
0: one because I was going to mention that all three of us, you guys also joined me um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we watched Bill Pullman deliver that speech on a massive screen while we visited the set of Independence Day reception. Not just that, we
2: watched Bill Pullman watching Bill Pullman deliver that speech because <laughs> he was cool. at the after party.
0: Yes. Very cool. Kevin Colton? got a
2: great picture of Roland Emmerich with his arm around Bill Pullman, watching that scene, oh, and neither, neither of them knew how bad the second one was going to end up being. So that was a sweet moment. <laughs> Maybe ah. they
0: did know. Yeah, I think they might have known. You know, you
2: know what's worse? It, what what's worse? how bad Independence Day Resurgence was or how bad my performance had to be that I was cut out of Independence Day Resurgence.
0: Oh, yeah. Tell me that. What, you, what was yeah, that scene? So I,
2: so I went and like played a reporter in that movie, like asking the president a question at a press conference, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I didn't make the cut. So when how bad of an actor do I have to be so that I didn't make the cut? for? I wasn't good enough for Independence Day God, Resurgence.
0: I'm surprised they cut anything out of the movie. That movie is like four hours yeah. long. <laughs> it's, well, that that anyway, doesn't make me yeah. feel any better. Anyway, um, we are a live video podcast. Um, we do air on the Cinema Blend Facebook page, as I mentioned. After the live event, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, and all of the normal. Podcast portals, excuse me. Um, We definitely encourage you guys to leave us reviews on the iTunes page. And when we get new ones, we have made a vow to read them at the top of the show, which is a very fun way for you guys who are listening to get a shout out. So today we're going to be giving spoiler free reactions to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And we're going to be playing a hashtag blend game for the films of Tim Burton. And we're also going to be going over what each of us think are the three best movies of 2018 so far. And I have a very good feeling that our lists are all going to be crazy different. Um, so that'll be really different? Oh,
2: that's interesting. I would have thought they would have been
0: similar. Um, I know that the three I picked, I think you guys are going to hate. Um, and you're probably going to think I'm crazy for picking them. So I'm,
2: I'm more concerned about your Burton pick, considering you said earlier that you thought that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory might have been your number two.
0: It was close to becoming my number two. It was yeah, almost remember, my pick for a few minutes. Remember, Jake. That,
1: that this is this is all, This is also the same person who thinks Forrest Gump is a bad movie. So just right. you got to you got to keep things on a level playing field here in your thought process. Of
0: Not things. just a bad movie, a truly yeah, awful he, he, movie. He,
1: he hates Forrest it's, Gump. So just, I had so. to deliver Sean some bad news <laughs> today, which, which is that. So today,
2: if you're listening later down the line, today is July third. Tomorrow, like most entertainment reporters are, I'm picking the best sort of. Movies that sort of kind of represent Americana, represent what it means to be an American. And my number one, and we're not movies that are just Fourth of July movies, um, my number one is Forrest Gump, because I think that that movie perfectly captures American history and what it means to be an American in America during a very interesting time in America. And I, I could just feel from a distance Sean's disdain hmm. For my pick, you well, yeah. When,
1: when he sent that, when he sent his list over, we, Sean and I immediately both knew that he spelt the Sandlot wrong. So we were just trying to explain <laughs> right. to him that that his uh, grammar was wrong and he and he had the words wrong. So first of all, a- my grammar is mean, never wrong. It's okay. I mean, don't <laughs> worry about it. I mean, it's it's not a huge deal. But we 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 understand. We're we're there for you, Jake.
0: All right. Let's start with news. Like I we always do. Count. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> it's
0: terrible. Um, it's I want amazing. to start with news that broke right before we started recording this. I'm not even sure if you guys have seen it. So maybe I'll be the first one to tell you. Miles Teller has been cast as Goose's son in Top no. Gun 2. Yes. <laughs> I did not know.
2: I'm learning about this live on the air. Yes. I did not know that.
0: Top Gun 2. Uh, and they're going to uh, follow Goose's son. And then they're going that's, to, uh...
2: that's the focus. He's well, like the star of the show.
0: I'm not sure. Yeah, we don't really know like how big Maverick's role is. We don't really know like if he's going to be training the next generation, but we know the Goose's son is going to be significant too. So that makes me wonder if they're bringing Mac Ryan back. Can Uh, I give an unpopular opinion? Sure. I don't love Top Gun and I'm a
1: huge Tony Scott fan. Um, Primarily on the true romance man on fire spy game element of his career. Um, I think days of thunder is a great movie, but I, have no interest in a Top Gun sequel without Tom- Tony Scott. I mean, obviously, I know Tony Scott passed away, and it, it's it's horrible, but I just don't want a Top Gun sequel. I have what no don't you like about
0: the first movie?
1: I just don't find it to be as great as everyone says it is. I think it's a fine film. I think it's shot well. I think the, the plane sequences are fine. But I, I don't know, but the, maybe I missed a boat with that movie, but the, nothing like, I, I don't look at that film and go, man, I love Top Guy. I I, I I like it. I mean, it I don't was know where Jake stands, so
0: big in the moment.
1: I, yeah, well then, I feel
2: like 80s movies, if you didn't grow up with it yeah. or you weren't there in that moment, because I, I how you feel about that is sort of how I feel about Goonies, where I didn't really grow up with Goonies, Yeah. so it doesn't really, same thing with Karate Kid, like I recognize See, their impact kids, in pop culture, yeah. but it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, Top Gun, I, I, I'm a fan of Top Gun. It's there are funny people on our like, staff
0: who hate Goonies, who like tried to watch it after the fact and they just don't get it.
2: I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't particularly like it. I'm more like, I, I get, and, it's, and I imagine it's a sort of the same, the same way how like I am with Hook. Like I grew up with Hook. Right. I understand that people hate it, but it was a part of my childhood. Therefore, I'm always going to like Hook.
1: Yeah. Like Karate Kid's a great example. Like I, I remember, uh, being on the checks chain with Jake and Sean about karate, about Cobra Kai. And I was just like, which I've heard is amazing. I was so excited about it. And like, it was amazing because I'm a huge Karate Kid fan. Then Jake said he was not big into Karate Kid. So I had a hard time understanding why. I think Top Gun's a film I admire. I just don't, I'm not obsessed with it enough to have been really geeked out about another sequel, especially considering Tony Scott. But like that 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 picture of of Tom Cruise
2: in front of the Jets, I didn't get you excited. Like
1: That that picture was awesome.
2: I'd rather
1: see Edge of Tomorrow 2
0: than Top Gun 2. Today is Tom Cruise's birthday. It is Tom Cruise's birthday. I actually think it's really cool that Tom Cruise has a July 3rd birthday because he's so America and he's so summer blockbuster. And I just think that that's perfect. Um, Jake, you post a video every year on his birthday and you never have told in totality... The junket story, you've referenced the junket story and you've talked about how it's one of the best days of your life, but I don't think you've ever really given any detail on the podcast. We have to keep Uh, it tight, but just tell people what happened. I'll
2: keep it tight. And And the video does far more justice for the story than I could ever do just telling it. But essentially for the film night and day that he did with Cameron Diaz, he didn't want to do just a traditional hotel room junket. So, uh, we, he blocked off about four square miles of Seville, Spain, and uh, recreated an action sequence. They had a director on set, about 30 cameras around this area of, of Seville, Spain. And essentially, you got in a car with Cameron Diaz. He got into Ducati bike in front of you. And he took off, and then you went off speeding and chasing. And they had a director calling different shots. And by the time this, this five-minute-long chase sequence was over, they essentially handed you an action sequence with Tom Cruise. That's amazing. And it's the closest so I'll ever get. Cool. I, I post a video every year. It's, I tell people it's the coolest junket that I've, I've ever done, I probably ever will do, and it's the closest I'll ever get to starring in an action movie with Tom Cruise. I mean, <laughs> essentially, like, imagine waking up, Going and shooting a sequence, and then like ending your day with like a tape in hand of like, "Hey, here's your here's your movie that you co-starred with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz." Right, and it's he kind of like
0: coached you through it, didn't he? Like lean yeah, into yeah, the he call, kinda, and yeah,
2: yeah, like... yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he definitely he played it up. You know, he did the whole thing where you know he pointed at pointed at me. and you know, the whole bit was supposed to be like I was supposed to try to catch him. Of course, naturally, like you you don't catch Tom Cruise. Sure, um, but it was just it was just in, it was truly incredible. And in fact, that was the last time. Cause he, I used to be able to, to to sit down with him. He doesn't really do a ton of sit down interviews anymore. That was sort of his last big hurrah for press, right? Um, and it's I'm crazy. glad I was just able able to do that. Yeah, well,
1: the video is amazing. You got to go to his Instagram or his Twitter to find it. It's, or do you have it on YouTube, Jake? Or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's
2: on YouTube. If you type in, I think if you just type in Jake Hamilton Tom Cruise, it'll be one of the things. That, yeah. Uh, also, you I watch look, the whole thing. Like I, we we showed it at work today, and I look maybe 16 or I think I was. 19 or 20 whenever i did it but i but i i look about 12 which also kind of
0: just blows my mind that 19 you were heading to seville and doing that like you do yeah normal life yeah just type into youtube jake hamilton and tom cruise and the video will show up you know it it should be there so Um, like it does like with anybody
2: you type in your name and you type in tom cruise and video of you and tom cruise will show up
0: i want to (laughs) point out to our listeners because if you're listening to this show, you'll be wanting to know this. Ready Player One is available on digital today. Yeah, it is. So you can pick it up. It's I'm, when I, when I'm
2: looking at my my signed poster on my wall right
1: now. When Actually. I type in my name and Tom Cruise, a video of the solo name scene comes up. I don't know why that happens <laughs> Lucky on you, YouTube. Lucky you,
2: because that's a great scene. But so it randomly, so
1: it just pops up out of nowhere. And, it's <laughs> and then, then it's scene. immediately followed by the nail scene from A Quiet Place. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't understand what's going on. Very strange, the YouTube algorithms. I don't understand.
0: Kevin, you were the only one of us that saw um, Soldado and we had a request from one of our listeners to go in depth on it today. And you're the only one who can. So can you uh, now that it's out, can you give us some more in depth
1: conversation
0: about how that movie plays and and whether you spoiler free, if you don't
1: mind? Yeah, my my biggest issue with Soldado is the the idea that it it plays more as a bridge to a third film than a film that on its own. So, like, the entirety of this movie is heavily reliant on the idea that we're going to continue this later. Like, it's funny, like, like, you look at something like Lord of the Rings, for example. um, I always felt like each movie still had its own film within it. It had a beginning and an end. There was a story being told in Two Towers. There was a story being told in Fellowship. Um, Not that I'm comparing Sicario to Lord of the Rings, but there's just an idea that I think a sequel needs to be its own movie. Dark Knight's its own movie. Um, Batman Begins is its own movie. Sicario: Day of the Soldado just feels like it's it, it, it's nothing more than a bridge to another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there is something to be said about the the drop in quality. I remember talking to someone recently about like walking out of a sequel like Ant Man and the Wasp, and I was comparing it in my mind to the first one. Like, well, you you shouldn't compare it to the the first one. I'm like, well, that's impossible. Like, your your brain is yeah. already uh, your brain is already in tune with what you expect from a storyline. Yeah, um, if you can get
2: excited because of the first one, you should be able to
1: knock it because of the first one. Exactly. So I, I completely disagree with that idea that you can't compare it to another movie. Um, Sicario 2, it feels like a major step down. I mean, you're, 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 you gotta, you got to think about what you have here. You have... No deacons. you have no Denis Villeneuve, you have no uh, Johan Johansson, except for they bring back his music. Though I will say, I think an understudy of his, or somebody who worked with him, uh, completed the score, I think, because he passed away in February in the movie. I'm not sure when the movie was scored. Um, But, yeah, it it, it works because Brolin and Del Toro are great. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it interesting. And And I read something recently about why Emily Blunt wasn't in the film in regards to, does it affect the film you're watching? And if you think about Sicario 1, the whole movie is from her perspective, and then it flips to Del Toro. So the POV switches um, essentially in the third act when we get Del to Toro's storyline of what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. So this is just another flip. That's all it that is. I mean, you're flipping to more Del Toro, more Brolin, and we'll just, maybe we'll flip back to uh, Blunt later on. So that's kind of it, – it, Is she it's, mentioned at all in the film? I don't even remember, to be honest, if her name was ever mentioned. Or I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think so. I don't remember. I saw it four weeks ago, so I'm trying to remember specific details about it. But the problem with it is, it it doesn't feel like its own movie, and feels like it's a step down. That being said, as its own film, Del Toro and Brolin are great. I mean, they're so great. And Del Toro had probably has. This is a weird comparison. Probably one of the greatest physical. Moments in a movie that I've seen since DiCaprio's climb to the car in Wolf of Wall Street. Um,
0: Can I guess? This, lava yeah. is coming at him, but he's yes. been tranquilized. Yes. And he, and he has to roll it. out the way. That's it. Yeah,
1: that's that, wow. That's the scene. Yeah,
2: and he ba- does it while explaining where his last name <laughs> yeah. came from, but Bam. trying to avoid a nail all the same. Yeah.
1: Bayona. So, so uh, uh, the director of Del, 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 uh, Soldado um, called up Bayona and said, "Can you drop a clip from Jurassic into this movie? We'll, since you know, we'll, we'll just play off each other." So, at one point, Chris Pratt does show up in Soldado. And, so, you
0: recommend uh, it? Do You recommend it?
1: I recommend it. Only if you're a fan of the Sicario saga, just understand going in that it's a step down, and it feels like. like, Is it one of those things
2: where, like, maybe you'd recommend it in January, but
1: not in the heart of the summer? Yeah, it's it's a weird. It's a weird. Again, it goes back to that whole idea of it's impossible not to think about how great the first movie was. And but that being said, is it a bad movie? No, I just think that it's incomplete and uneven uh, in regards to what it's trying to do. More along the lines of bringing us to a possible third story from Taylor Sheridan. My hope, and what I understand, I read today, is that the director of Soldado is not going to continue. I think Taylor Sheridan comes in and Mm. finishes the third one, Um, which I think was a good idea because Sheridan did a great job with Wind River. I think he directed Wind River, Um, Mm. and then he wrote Hell or High Water, first Sicario, second Sicario. I don't know what Sheridan has coming up, but I think it makes perfect sense. Bring in Sheridan. I think Sheridan can at least bring it back up slightly to the level that Denise had it at. And you got to bring back Deacons. Deacons has to yeah. come back. Uh, because there's nothing. Academy Award winner. It's Roger true. Deakins. But you keep, but nothing, nothing. You guys remember those nighttime scenes in Sicario <laughs> 1. I oh, mean, yeah. Like that was unreal. That's and a that movie was... that, that, correct me if I'm wrong, that. that um... I don't wanna say tricked you, surprised you yeah. that it was digital and not film. One of the few films I've ever ever watched walked out, that was film for sure, and it was digital. Right. Because I mean you know, that also comes but from But that's thir- Deacons. Deacons can do that. That's also thirty years of, of, of cinematography and lighting yeah. and, and yeah. being behind a camera and knowing what you're doing. Did you do anything like? digitally like in post, like effects wise, to give it a grainy look? I don't maybe? know. I don't know.
2: I was I was also surprised Skyfall was digital.
1: Yeah, um, you amazing. got
2: uh, you got someone agreeing with you on Facebook. Uh, Demarcus just said it's a step down because it makes us wait for part three. I totally agree.
1: Yeah, it's one of those weird things, man. It's like it's like it's like I liked it, but nothing grabbed me, nothing pulled me in. But then I was also really really into Del Toro and Brolin. Can I mean, you Del Toro kills it, man.
0: Any film losing Deni. <laughs> And Roger no. Deakins. No. And, and, and Johan little... Johansson.
1: Yeah. It's a, and Emily really Blunt. Tough. I mean, it's it's, really it's, that's a hard thing to go. So, I mean, I gave it like a three and a half out of five. I, thought that Earth... I was like kind of in between a three, three and a half. Um, more than I think about it, more I want to go towards a three. But, yeah, it's fine.
0: All right. We convinced yeah. Gabe to let us talk about Breaking Bad because um, it's a show that all three of us adore. And it's celebrating its 10th anniversary. And uh, we just want to quickly share how important that show is to all of us um yeah we're primarily movie geeks and we watch a ton of movies but we each have shows that we have sort of caught up with and subscribed to jake's a big lost fan i'm a huge breaking bad fan kevin is a huge breaking bad fan in fact when we were at that albuquerque um set visit visiting the set of uh, independence day resurgence one of the things i texted to kevin because we wandered away from one of the um production studios and i saw vince gilligan's uh, parking space that they had reserved for him like, you know, forever. He can hold it there. And I snapped that and sent it to Kevin real fast. And so uh, 10 years in, uh, Walter, uh, Walter, uh, Brian Cranston was talking to Entertainment Weekly and talking about his favorite scene. Did you guys read the article about what his favorite no, scene no, is? By
1: the way, I didn't click on it, but can I guess what his favorite scene is? Yeah,
0: I read it and it's a perfect answer. So okay. I know what it is. My Actually, guess... I wouldn't be
1: surprised if it was Kevin's favorite
2: scene what i, I do kevin's favorite
1: scene is i'm curious so i didn't click on the link right but uh, i think why well, it's interesting i think the greatest scene in the entire show from a performance standpoint well
0: wait hold on we gotta say this is spoilers and if you haven't watched breaking bad we're gonna talk in some detail about the show and some scenes so if you <laughs> want to punch out punch out because we might talk in depth about it if you haven't seen breaking bad for god's sakes
2: yeah what are you doing it's better
0: than most that.
1: movies that are out there right yeah,
0: now. yeah so do that uh, Here's, what war-
1: Here's what I'm a little worried about. About my right. answer, the scene that I'm thinking it is is the hardest scene he ever had to shoot on the show. Okay. Because I because I know for a fact that his his real daughter came into his mind during the scene that I'm thinking of. Oh, no, yeah, it's no, not I'm that. About I know what so you're. It's not about. that scene. So it's the thing it's not, it's not the well, Jessica the, Jones and thing. actually,
0: he said I can't pick that scene because I wouldn't use best yeah. for that scene. Well, obviously, I think, he's talking about Jane dying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the, also the scene. I think that that's arguably the greatest sequence of an actor turning into a different character just based on a facial expression. Is that oh, yeah. where he
2: turns into Heisenberg? Would you argue? Literally
1: Heisenberg. I mean, he, I he, so. he, there's a moment where he's looking... At, so people who, are, who haven't seen the show or, or, or I don't remember, uh, Jesse's girlfriend is uh, dying of an overdose in bed, and Walter has a choice. He actually sees her choking to death on her own vomit, uh, and he basically sits there as Walt... And then you see his face completely change into Heisenberg because the thought process being if I, if I let her die, I'm no longer dealing with the threat of her telling people who I am. Right. And then it's such a sick scene. Favorite scene, I have to, it has to be saying my name. Right?
0: No, it's I would not. have said so I'll I would jump have say to Crawl Crawl Space. Well, Crawl Space is without a doubt my Which favorite Which scene. scene
1: in Crawl Space? The, the ending shot or the, the one out in the desert with the to sun? The shot of him
0: laughing yeah. is the one yeah. that, that unnerved me so much to yeah. the point where I, I was literally shaking for like 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah. I couldn't it, get my brain right
1: Is it weird that I actually, considering how powerful that moment is and how great that shot is in Crawl Space, I actually rewind back about 10 minutes because I think the greatest shot in the entire show ever uh, is when Gus has him out in the field. Us. It's this long shot. And Walter has a bag over his head. And it's crazy how they did this because Michael Slovis, the cinematographer, it was this wide-angle shot. You see Walt with a bag over his head, kneeled down, Gus there. If you watch the shot closely, the sun goes in and out of the clouds um, in a couple times within a matter of seconds. They actually had to speed it up because the shot was so beautiful they wanted to keep it in. But if you actually cut it in real time, it was two to three minutes long. Wow! So
0: That's they awesome.
1: actually had to speed it up. Um, but all right, I'm curious what his favorite scene is. I don't know now.
0: His can, you, like, can you give scene? us a hint? Hint? Um, no, I'll just tell you because we're going to run out of time because Gabe okay. is mad that we're talking about this anyway. Okay. Um, it's the scene with the train robbery where they have to go oh. through so many elaborate oh, steps yeah. to pull off the train heist. And wow. they do it. They with succeed. Yeah. And they are so ecstatic that it worked. And then they turn around and that kid's there and he sees yeah. everything happen. And then Jesse Plemons' character has to kill the kid. And the way Cranston said it is that that sequence captured the roller coaster ride of wanting to be with Walt and Jesse. This is what you have to deal with. You deal with these ridiculous highs because he said in the moment when they turn to see the kid, Walter and Jesse start to think about how can we get ourselves out of this? Because they've always gotten themselves out of predicaments. Like the two of them are going to brainstorm. How do we get ourselves out of it? but, But Jesse Plemons' character... Whose name I'm blanking on right now um, doesn't think that way. He just no. eliminates the kid, and so Cranston said like it's the perfect capturing of yeah. the emotions that they want that TV show. Yeah, it's a great answer. It's and yeah. yeah. sidebar. I think Jesse Plemons
2: might be one of the most exciting actors working in the sense that if he's in something, I automatically go, Ooh, that's interesting. I want to yeah. see whether it's Friday night lights or breaking bad or game night, which game I thought night. he was the best part of
0: very much. It's so. just, he's <laughs> unbelievable. Have
1: you guys rewatched breaking bad? I feel like I've never, I haven't rewatched it.
2: Just I, go, I feel
1: like I go back in chunks. So what I'll do yeah. is I have certain episodes that I just, I almost need to rewatch cause they're just so good. Like, I, I don't know why I randomly love this one. I think it's called Saludo. Um, it's the one where Gus, um go takes the poison drink and then he goes in the bathroom and 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 vomits it up knowing that everyone around him is gonna like remember remember that oh yeah 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 yeah. everyone like starts dropping like flies yeah yeah. and oh my god the psychology of that sequence of like gus trying to protect jesse from drinking it because he like he had an alcohol problem whatever it was because remember the 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 guy they're meeting with the cartel guy um was convinced that this may be a poisonous drink. So if Gus drinks it, I'm okay. Yeah. And then he goes in the bathroom and just the way he tucks his suit over the, the door or whatever it was and he politely vomits into the yeah. toilet. See, and he kneels down
0: right in front of it. Like, oh, it's
1: amazing. Towel. God, yeah. he He's wipes crying. his face and goes back out. And then, oh my God, the shot of the guy falling into the pool. It's just like, every every episode. But I mean, like the methodical element, the way heisenberg kills gus is probably it's just perfect i oh, mean yeah.
2: oh someone god. someone just commented that yeah too many to choose but
1: the explosion in tuco's office ding, 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 ding oh my ding, god the fa- oh tuco the, the the way they actually did oh, the face starting to get a I, know, from I know i know
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's typing before we, all right uh, we're before, moving before, on yes the bottom line s- is is what's our catch we said, we were, gonna,
1: gonna, it. We said we we're gonna say real quick our favorite breaking bad episode go ahead go ahead yes no jake you go first
0: ozymandias mine's crawl space
1: crawlspace as well yeah but but
0: uh, also, is, i mean is Crawl Space genius. is
2: also great like i'm not knocking yeah you know
0: did you um, see the
1: uh betsy brandt interview oh, no. where she where, no no where she said that she can't watch yeah, uh the ending her, of uh, Ozzy ozymandias yeah. yeah i know i don't blame because, her because of dean's death scene yeah. dean norris's yeah. death scene oh but real real fast like two se- uh, two seconds <laughs> i promise, promise. <laughs> jake jake does not like the ending and i think the ending's perfect i don't i don't yeah i don't like the ending Oh, I think it's so perfect. Yeah. I don't, I, we don't have time for me to get into. Why I don't
2: like the ending. I just, I, I just think it's, it's I not to hear that conversation. It's later. not brilliant enough uh, to fit the brilliance that precedes it. Okay. I love the first. If it's a, if it, let's say it's a six. But you like episode, the lost I lo- ending? I, lo- I love the lost. Lost is one of the most misunderstood <laughs> endings of all time. Lost, oh! The lost ending, sir. The lost ending, sir, is one of the most misunderstood <laughs> endings of all time.
0: Yes, and it's some brilliant. P- some people misunderstand it as good.
1: A Breaking Bad rewatch is worth. I will quit is- this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> A Breaking Bad rewatch is worth seeing by the way if you, if you if you guys have a time to do it but like yes. even like even the opening seasons remember that the tub scene with the acid dripping down from the ceiling from yeah. the guy's dead bodies trying to like disintegrate them Okay it's there's so gross. acid
0: dripping out of Gabe's eyes as we continue to go down <laughs> Breaking Bad memories. This week uh Peyton Reed's Ant-Man and the Wasp is opening in theaters and all three of us have managed to see it. We're going to talk briefly about it um without spoilers so you can spoiler stick around. Free. Spoiler, spoiler free, free spoiler I like that Um, right off the bat. Let's just give star ratings starting with Jake out of five out of five, three, Kevin, three, three. Wow. Wow. Oh, I'm like three and a half. How did I like it the most? Um, I think our,
2: I think our star rating is different because Kevin liked it less than we did.
0: Yeah, that's strange. That's unusual. All right. So I think it's better than the first movie. This is my, that's probably where we differ. To me, the first movie is a three, and this is a three and a half. And I'll tell you why I feel that way. I think the action is much better. I think that they have figured out how to do the shrinking and the expanding um, in the middle of fight sequences, chase sequences, all these really cool things that um, they utilize Ant-Man's tech in a good way. Um, But I still, like, I've now seen both of those movies, and I think, like, the, the word I keep using, and it's not in a derogatory way, is they're fine. Like, they're fine. I think they're OK. I don't I don't I love the Marvel movies wholeheartedly, but I I don't choose to rewatch the Ant-Man movies and I won't choose to rewatch this one all that much when I get it. I thought it was enjoyable in the moment. I thought it was funny, as funny as it, you kind of needed it to be. But I'm not going to use the word forgettable because I don't think that that's fair. But it was just like a and, and maybe part of it is coming off of the, you know, bombacity that is Infinity War it's a palate cleanser and it's a smaller story and that's fine by design. But I left it and I was like, yeah, that was fine. That was fine.
1: I think my biggest problem with the Ant-Man reviews, uh, is that people are saying it's a, it's a much needed lighthearted element after infinity war, which Hmm. that movie doesn't, that you have to understand that that that's a movie. That movie doesn't know that infinity war was, was dark and, and and, sure. Like this movie needs to be examined. You think
2: People are giving it a pass.
1: I think because, so. I think there's because was an, of I, Infinity War. I do, and I, I think that Infinity War. Listen, when you when you watch Infinity War, and then you watch Ant Man and the Wasp. There is a massive quality difference there. I mean, like in regards to storytelling, filmmaking, writing, action, and
0: villain, I mean, set pieces, all that. But
1: stuff. But what's fascinating to me, and, and if I am going to go down that route of comparing it to Infinity War, only because it was the last Marvel film to come out, um, you got to think about the idea that the Russos. How many screenwriters are on Infinity War? Two? Three? Probably. Okay. This has, has five. This has five.
0: Yeah. Um, that's
1: nuts. Here's the problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp. So Ant Man and the Wasp, I'm a I love Ant-Man. Ant-Man's actually my favorite one of my favorite MCU films. I would give Ant-Man after multiple rewatches, I'd give it like a four and a half. I Ugh. love I Ugh. love Ant-Man. But that's oh, fair.
0: I that's fair. I, I think that's fine.
1: I think Ant-Man is incredibly inventive. I think it was. So well executed in regards to comedy, had inventive action. The villain Yellow Jacket was so great. I thought Corey is it Corey um, Stall? Yeah, amazing. He's a great actor. Such <laughs> a great villain. Oh my god, the sequence is so horrifying in the first one. He's See, in the I bathroom. Such a generic villain. To oh me. I, wow. See, I, I find it interesting how how much we differ, but I, how much we agree on the second one. But I think again, our ratings are the same for the second one because. I think you were coming from a perspective of not loving the first one. I agree one, with that. Agree and I'm that. coming from a perspective of yeah. loving the first one and being disappointed by this one. So my comparison back to the Russos was think about all the characters that they juggle in Infinity War. Okay? There's what, there's over 30 characters or something whatever it is, and it feels seamless and it's and it's beautifully done and it's executed well. This felt so uneven and convoluted. I I, I just didn't under I I I found myself so it's weird. I actually felt like Paul Rudd's character throughout the whole movie when they were explaining all the science stuff. It just it just didn't... Oh my God, dude.
0: There didn't. is so much exposition dump. Oh. Just like exposition oh. dump after... Yeah. To the point you know, where I, like... I was,
2: to your point, I brought my dad with me to see it and he has never seen the first one. Right. And I was a little concerned like, oh, is he really going to remember everything that's going on? And this isn't a spoiler... But the opening sequence is essentially, yeah. remember what happened in the first movie, <laughs> right? And right. It, within about three minutes, I realized my dad doesn't need to see the first one. Yeah. They right. may as well have been looking or or like a previously on Ant Man. Like they're like there's, there's they just yeah. pretty much told you everything you need to know. Also, there's, there's literally a scene. a scene
1: where Randall, the actor who plays the FBI agent, who uh, <laughs> uh, which I won't give away Randall too much. Park. Yeah, but who's amazing? He's fantastic. He's a great actor. Favorite parts of the movie. Um, he like you're saying, he genuinely sits down in front of a character and explains to a little girl (laughs) why, what's going on. Like it it, it was now. I did. Did you miss of Captain
2: America: Civil War? Don't worry. (laughs) Let me recap it for you.
1: (laughs) That's what it felt like. And I was like watching it. I'm like, okay, I get the joke. The joke being that um, we're gonna have this guy tell this young girl why her father is where he is, or whatever's going on there. But it does come off, and then there's another scene. Oh, later I'm sure they—they, the they,
2: I'm sure there was a meeting where someone said, "Hey, we need to write stuff <laughs> in this movie for people that didn't see Civil War." Not as a joke. I'm sure that they had to—they re- realized there are a lot of people that don't see all the Marvel movies, and we need to recap yeah. some stuff in there. Uh, that
1: being said, I will say, uh, action-wise, it works. I, yeah. I, the, the, there's great comedy in it. I think Evangeline Lilly. Uh, my problem—it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp. And there's hardly any Ant-Man and the Wasp action scenes. Like, like they, I didn't find. I think there's one team-up scene or maybe one and a half uh, in the film. But like, I just found it to be like it just felt convoluted. It really so it, did. It should have been called Ant-Man, also the Wasp. <laughs> but she's great in it. I mean, oh, the, she's great. Listen, the macro photography when they get into that scene where she's on the cutting board. Of that kitchen, so cool, Uh, very cool. And then the Paul Rudd's great. There's some great comedy bits. Michael Pena steals the movie. Randall's great, but I did not like Ghost, and I did not like Walton Goggins. I just didn't like those characters. It was a total waste. He's a a brilliant
2: actor, and yeah, that was a total waste. I mean, I think the reason I liked it more than the first one is simply because I felt the first one relied too much on the bit of hey, doesn't look really cool whenever he's small, and look at all this cool stuff that happens to him when he's small, and look at the stuff that's big whenever he is small. And I felt like there, they didn't rely too much on the crutch of that bit in the second one. And it served the story more, Yeah, Um, the, 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 the blowing up of the Pez, the blowing up of the, of the salt shaker to block a door. It was less about, Hey, look around. Isn't just, isn't just the visual of this good enough for you. Because for me in the first one, it was not. And for this, it was, hey, that's going to block a bad guy from getting out. Or, hey, this helps them get away in a chase sequence. It, it served the story rather than just, just us being forced to appreciate it for what here's,
0: it was. Here's a big part of it, and Jake and I were talking about this before the podcast. Like When you have a solo standalone movie like um, a Doctor Strange or even Black Panther now, um, the the worlds and the other people in the movie have to be just as compelling. And like I think Wakanda is such a great new environment. Everybody in that cast was great and the villains stole the show. I think Ant-Man had some of that, you know, but the fact that it was limited to San Francisco was cool, but a little limiting, a little. To be fair,
2: I've been to San Francisco. There are a lot of interesting people in San Francisco and this movie captured none of them.
0: (laughs) I saw none of those interesting people in this movie. There's that. So
1: I just find, and, and again, this is all spoiler free, My the whole Idea of this film, and this is kind of what we see in the trailers, is this idea of can Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, and Paul Rudd somehow get to Evangeline's mother. That's kind yeah. of the point, right? That's, yeah, that's, that, that's the whole story. Yeah. Um. My problem with the movie overall is genuinely it is so convoluted that I did not ever connect emotionally to the journey those characters were going on. Yeah. Like, I didn't necessarily care that they were trying to get her back, and I and I, and I think that that to me that through line that that through line of emotion that you're supposed to have and feel for that element, um, for whatever the payoff may or may not be, uh, to me that is that is the problem. I think there's so much going on, but then but then you have but listen, that, here's the thing: this, movies do this a lot. There are great moments in Ant Man in the Wasp. Yeah. Like moments that will make you laugh out loud, like very funny stuff, yeah. very inventive action. The,
2: with, with, with no spoilers, I will say there is a sequence in a
1: in a school. Yes, that had me laughing from start to finish. And they've released some of that in the in the, in, in some of the trailers and some of the TV spots now, um, which they're giving away a lot, unfortunately. But I think uh, that scene's great, and there and there are there are some great moments. I mean, there are moments where like it's funny. I was sitting next to my wife last night, who had not seen the film. I had, this is my second viewing. And I had already made up my mind about the film, and I was going to give it a second shot, keep it a little open minded. And I hear her, like, dying laughing. I'm like, did I. Am I missing something here? Did I not. Is it possible that, like, you're not a. Big fan of the Marvel, because I remember you, because you don't like you don't the like Ragnarok. Ragnarok humor, yeah. and I think Ragnarok is laugh out loud, knee slap, hilarious. Oh, no, no. I think the humor in ant Man and the Wasp is great. I think the humor is actually one of the best parts of the movie. I didn't think Ragnarok was funny at all. I thought it was had good action, but I, I didn't find that movie funny whatsoever. Someone just asked in
2: the comments, uh, is there any post credit scenes? There are two. Okay. And I'd argue the one that everyone's talking about, without getting into spoilers. Very good. And we can let's talk this next week. I'd argue it doesn't make any sense. It's cool until right. you think about it. Makes I can't I can't say sense. anymore. It doesn't it make makes any sense. It perfect sense. sense. I think it makes no, makes sense. It makes no sense. sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense in the timeline of things. No, it, it makes sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, I don't, we'll, I don't, we'll discuss yeah, this we'll next, discuss week, next week. But it makes no sense in the timeline of things. Cool
1: cool little side note by the way. Um one of the things I love about Ant-Man and the first one and the second one both do this are these are the Michael Peña like a rewind sequences where he's telling the stories and so that was
2: brilliant. That was so good. you like Which we all agree that that had to be an Edgar Wright thing. Like
0: he, Edgar Wright had to have written that in his first Uh, write-through. They had to have stolen that. I want, I want Edgar Wright's Ant-Man franchise, and I want Lord and Miller's solo. I will trade anything for each of those movies. Give me the Snyder. And the, the Snyder, Snyder Justice League. <laughs> yeah, would we Snyder have gotten
1: cut. Baby Driver? Had he done the Ant Man? No, movies?
0: definitely not. He would have been wrapped. Honestly, been in I,
1: I I I
2: like Baby Driver, but I don't love it. I would have rather an, an Edgar Wright Ant Man over Baby Driver. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with that. Listen, Edgar Wright got writing credit on the first one. And maybe it was better because of that. I mean, I it, guarantee
2: it, you that they, that they I took think that it, Michael Peña bit from his original story. Okay, so
0: this is not a, sp- a spoiler, but when you get to see that bit, when you get to the Michael Peña retells a story bit, <laughs> yeah. I'd argue that's when the cast is having the most fun. Oh, oh absolutely.
1: Yeah. They yeah. are having
0: a blast and shooting it's,
1: that. It's cool how they do it. Like, Rudd was telling me that they basically put a speaker on the set that, that Peña's already recorded it. and they oh, that's it, great. It's actually interesting. Like, they have to literally... Like lip sync it perfectly. Yeah. It has to be like Peyton. Peyton Reed <laughs> was telling me that they 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 literally have to do it. And the moment when it matches is like it's like heaven for him. He said like they like they're, like because it takes a second to get. It's like a video, a music video. Yeah, but you also have to get like the the way you're like, the way they're moving because like Luis is a very like uh, animated
0: character. So like, just it, watch Evangeline so Lilly when she's oh, doing it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. She Before we move so on to the next funny. topic. So we have funny. to give a shout out to one of our watchers, one of our listeners, uh, nice. loyal followers, Kalina, Hi. who we remember oh, yeah. a few weeks ago, she went to her boss's office to watch us. She just told us uh, via the she Facebook, the Facebook <laughs> that she's been uh, downgraded and she's now watching us in a maintenance closet. Oh, oh.
0: man. <laughs> That's I like it. Kalina. That's, Kalina I'm really sorry, nice. like I didn't mean to like interrupt the show, but I felt like that deserved a little and bit of a shout out. I actually need Kalina updates on the regular. Yes. I'm a, I'm a yeah.
1: Kalina fan. Thank yes. you, Kalina, for watching uh, watching the show, even and, if it's uh, in a
0: maintenance closet.
1: Don't <laughs> I cannot Sean wait says.
2: to discuss <laughs> that that Ant Man post credit scene because I very much feel like the timeline doesn't make sense. Wow! Well, I would love to be wrong because it's a cool scene that's that's off in my head. So if I am wrong, I'd love to have it corrected so I you can enjoy that scene to its fullest.
0: You're definitely I don't wrong. Think so. And I don't we also think I am. We talked at length with I'm Peyton not all Reed wrong. on Cinema Blend, and I have a lot to share about um, Janet and the Quantum Realm, but I can't right now.
1: One thing that I found interesting, by the way, and I don't know if this is a first or a very rare thing that happens in the MCU. Generally speaking, with the MCU films, the the direct the next director directing the next MCU film comes in to direct the end credits scene. Hmm. And Peyton did both of these, which I, th- I thought was fascinating. Um, and specifically the one that Jake's referring to. Um, cause I remember talking to him about that and like capturing the tone of what he was going for based on what was happening in that moment. But I can't remember the last time a filmmaker has done their own end credit scene or l- unless I'm wrong, but like, I remember like, um, I, don't I think know John
0: I- Watts did them. I think John Watts did the homecoming ones, but they don't okay. really have. They didn't have a broader connection. They have the, home, to... the
2: homecoming one. I mean, they probably shot that whenever they were shooting all the other Captain America stuff. I think so.
1: Yeah. yeah, but I thought it was interesting. Like, like I think, I think from what I understand, and I could be wrong. That a lot of the filmmakers who are coming into the next Marvel film, that's their scene that they're setting the tone for. But Peyton did his own this time. So I don't know if it's right. a rare... I don't know.
0: So next week, we will get into spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp after all of you guys have seen it. And we will talk at length about the mid credit scene. So stay in your chair. Uh, you're going to want to see it. I would argue you don't have to stay for the last one. The last one to me was super disappointing. No,
2: I, no stay in it. Because I also think that it's sadder than you guys are giving... I like the last minutes. scene, Also, too. is this the only... T- and correct me if I'm wrong. The The last shot from the final credit scene is in the trailer.
0: Mm, there's another I, scene of them doing that
2: because i rem, i I remember thinking whenever references it earlier in the movie, oh it's going to be this shot, and it didn't happen. I was like, oh maybe they cut that scene out and then they put that shot in the it, i I need to go back and watch the trailer I, I wondered if it was the first time that in a post credit scene has been in the trailer
1: I still find it so weird that uh that welcome to Jurassic World is the last line in Jurassic that World. That doesn't Fall surprise me at, at all. But it's like, it's like, it's like the, it's the last line in the movie and it's in the trailer. It's so weird.
0: That is really weird. There's it's a so weird. There's a lot of weird. final act in the trailer. I know um, we're into
1: Tim Burton, but uh, real quick, Jake saw Sorry to Bother You. I'm seeing it tonight. And that yes. movie opens up in D.C. this weekend and Chicago and a couple other cities, L.A. and New York, I'm assuming. Yeah. But Jake, real quick, because this is the kind of movie that kind of needs that needs promotion and needs shout out. If it's great, obviously we're going to
2: talk about it in a second, but, but the best promotion I can give this movie is I cannot stress how little you actually know what it's about. The trailer is to use a cliche, the tip of the iceberg from the bottom of my heart, go see this movie as quickly as possible. If only so you can see it, because if someone tells you what it's about, you're just going to go, well, I don't want to see that. Go see it and make up your mind for your own because for the marketing's doing an amazing job revealing the point of this
1: movie. So I, I, I haven't watched the trailers for it yet. I yeah. don't know anything well, about it. Well, then that's great. Even better. Even yeah. Better. Is I, this
0: in a... your list? Which yes. one do next? It yes. is? Okay, so we're going to transition. Oh, wow. We're, we're okay. getting off of Ant-Man and we're going to talk about, about the, the three best movies um, of 2018. From what we, yeah, exactly. You gave me the setup um, that we've seen so far. So, Gabe has told us that there is not a lot of uh, interaction... Between our lists. I think that's what he's trying to say to me. Um, basically, he said, do all of our number threes first. Do all of our number twos first. And all of our number ones first. So, Kevin, uh, your number three best movie of 2018 so far is? Number
1: three best movie of 2013. Ah. I, I, I told you to call, man. I told you, you before make the, the call. podcast that I was debating between two and three and switching. it up I just sent you guys a text, by the way, <laughs> um, privately. <laughs> um, oh, it's bad. Okay, um, all right. So let me think. Here. All right, my number three. I'm gonna switch it up from what I sent. I'm gonna go Deadpool two. Number three of the year. Okay. So no, no,
2: this is best films of the year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, okay <laughs> all right Deadpool, Deadpool 2 my number three movie of 2018 am I am I giving an explanation or am I just yeah
0: give it? give it a little bit of reason why
1: I just thought it was a, an extremely well-made sequel uh, I like it better than the first one uh I think the uh David Leitch just you know what an amazing filmmaker I love rolling his cable um so excited about X-Force um there's bits in that film that just <laughs> made me laugh so hard. Like, the setup to the X-Force and what happens to them. I I love Deadpool 2. I thought it was a a very, very, very well-executed sequel uh, and probably arguably the greatest end-credit scene in the history
0: of movies. Jake, what's your number three?
1: Uh, My number three
2: is Sorry to Bother You. We were just talking about it. Boots, Riley, the the screenplay, the direction, the acting. Absolutely incredible. Um, I I hesitate getting too much into it in that I want people to experience it fresh. I cannot stress how much... I, I... Purposefully went to go read reviews after seeing it, if because because I think it premiered at Sundance. Um, I don't know how much they tightened it up or changed things, but I went to go see if certain reviews revealed certain things, and a lot of them did. In fact, I put in keywords from the ending to see if people were writing about it, and amazingly, so a lot of people were. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away, other than tell you go see it. Uh, it's it's an amazing social commentary. That says a lot, and the, probably the biggest compliment I can give it that hopefully will be the hook that'll get you in is that it is uh, 2018's Get
1: Out. Wow, what? But it's you getting... also you didn't love Get Out, right? You
2: like to my top out. ten list.
1: Okay. Yeah. I,
2: All I, right. Get Out. Stu- really I, get get out, out stuck with me more and more over time. Okay.
0: okay. Mine. mine is gonna um, probably alienate you guys immediately, and you won't watch the rest of my list. But I swear to you, it's that good. Don't say Solo. My number three is Paddington Two.
1: Okay, I actually I know I haven't too. seen it, but
2: I've heard amazing things. I'm not gonna. Make it's amazing. You for that. I've heard way too many amazing things to knock you for that. I Paddington one a five two out of
0: five. Is freaking delightful. It is such a delightful. That was actually Sean's movie.
2: nickname in college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, we popped it on Netflix or Amazon. I forget which one we put on anyway, and because and like you guys, I had heard nothing but raves from people who are like over the top crazy about it, and it is it is um. A Wes Anderson family movie, like it's mm. visually yeah. so you're, creative. You're not no, selling no, no, it, no. bro. No, 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 no. Stay with it. Me, you, you just yeah, lost yeah, yeah. me. Stay with it. Um, It's just it, it's. There's the other documentary that people are raving about now is "Won't You Be My Neighbor," which everyone is saying is yeah. so uplifting and so Amazing. sweet and so kind. Um, And I haven't seen that yet, but I really want to. So good. But Paddington Two makes me feel that way. Like it's just so warm and sweet and generous and kind and. Um, all the performances are wonderful and it's going to make my top 10. Right now it's in my top three. Uh, and so I had a couple of things I moved up and down, but I finally decided that I love Paddington 2 that much. I see so, it. Yeah, you got to see it. It's I really it's, great. I
1: heard it's great. I mean, listen, I, I first Paddington was a five out of five. I loved Paddington 1. It, it was such a surprise and I have no... It's weird. Like I've been in situations where I've been able to watch Paddington 2 but I just haven't had the desire to turn it on yet. That's um, the thing that like I'm never like... I'm
2: sure if I sat down and watched it, I would love it. But I'm in my free time, and I have a chance to like watch something. I'm never thinking, you know what I want to watch. I know,
0: and I totally get it. But I'm telling you, from the minute you start watching it, it's like a warm blanket, and it's just it's delightful. I'm
1: also doing something right now. I just put together a list of like 77 classic and films that I want to watch slash rewatch. But I actually just added um, a bunch more today. Now I'm up to 90 um so i'm nice. um, there over the next two or three months i'm gonna I'm, i want to watch and rewatch these 90 movies um and it's it's a it's a combination of a bunch of different lists from some of the films are from the bfi um sight and sound top 50 some of them are from afi's top 100 some of them are from quentin tarantino's top 10 favorite movies of all time favorite imdb
2: is also their top 250 is also a nice
1: yeah,
0: dude, nice. bring that into the podcast. Let's I, talk about some of those each week.
2: I
1: will, I, I or st- do, or, or assign them to us, and let's all do it together. Well, yeah, yeah. I, if you guys want, I started. I already started yesterday, and I had never seen this movie before. And I, and I, and that's the thing. I mean, like one of the things that I think we as critics, I, I think we're sometimes afraid to admit we haven't seen a certain classic movie, or like you know, because we you know we're movie critics and we we want to be as knowledgeable as we can. But I had never seen Buster Keaton's The General. Oh, um, nice which blew my freaking mind. Um, so I'm just kind of going through a bunch of classic films, and that was my first watch. So if you guys want to watch with me, me... You know, it's funny you mention that, because I've, I, I watched that
2: in a film class. And to me, that is so enjoyable to watch, as opposed to people talk about Citizen Kane, and like, yeah, I appreciate yeah. the technicality of Citizen Kane, but I don't particularly enjoy watching it. To me, something like Buster Keaton is a perfect blend of like, oh my God, you can respect what it took to make that. But also, yep. or a lot of the Charlie Chaplin stuff, you don't you, you don't have to be
1: bored. It's insane. Whenever you watch this stuff, I mean, you could you can also enjoy it while appreciating what they did technically. Well, Buster Keaton, like the oh my god, like talking about we talk about Tom Cruise doing stunts. That guy was yeah. insane. So uh, next one I'm watching is Lawrence of Arabia. So that's oh, nice. I, I, and I've seen Lawrence of Arabia, but I um not. They do it on 70 millimeter here in Chicago every. Year. I w- that's how
2: I want to watch every, every I actually, year. Every yeah. year that, during the we have a 70 millimeter film festival here at the Music oh. Box Theater. Uh, every year, it's where I just saw 2001. That's um, actually where I got engaged. And I, uh, actually this Tuesday, starting a uh, Robin Williams uh, film festival. That's cool. I
0: 70mm I, oh, I, I, Dow f- Fire?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: 70mm <laughs> <70 millimeter laughs> Jack. I just, um, o- I just ordered the uh, 50th <laughs> anniversary of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and it, came, it comes with a 70mm film cell. Um, the reason why I'm rewatching that one is because of the, of the Spielberg documentary on HBO. Oh, yeah. It almost that- talked him out of being a director. That's the movie. That's the movie yeah. that changed. That, that That's the reason why we we, we have Spielberg. So number um, two, Let number two,
0: that. we're way far off. We're also way, Sean. We're, uh, yes, just, I don't know if you
1: have a TV
2: out. near you, but it's a shootout in the world cup right now. Shut up.
0: Yeah. I hate that this podcast is keeping me from this stupid podcast. For um, Those that,
2: that watch this or listen to this podcast years down the road. <laughs> yes. It's world cup is happening right now.
0: <laughs> it's a shoot. Oh, it's a shoot. all right. Uh, two. Uh, who, who went first? Jake, Kevin, Kevin. Number two, infinity war. Ooh, good call.
1: It's it's just amazing. I'll go ahead and step in. Also, Infinity War for me,
2: number two. Two? Number two? Yeah, Infinity War is also my number two. Go ahead, celebrate it. It's just, it's just, it it stuck with me. Like, it wasn't like, oh, it was a novelty, and then it wore off over time. Like, I'd argue, like, it gets better over time. In fact, I went and saw it a second time with Ren, and it just, it's maybe the only time I've ever seen an audience walk out in silence. Mm. Just this eerie silence when the movie was over of everyone just shuffling out not realizing that that's not the movie they expected to see right it it's,
1: it, it is a master class in pacing i have yes i mean i'm talking editing. about the pacing in that film is perfect and it's two hours and 40 minutes and it's unreal how right. fast it goes unreal
0: um which is really interesting because, uh, and I'll, I swear this is a short detour. Um, there was a, uh, we went to church this Sunday, and our uh, pastor gave a uh, sermon from the altar, and he talked about two movies that he finally caught up with from last year the two best picture nominees, uh, La La Land and Moonlight, and how he hated both of them. Um, and went on this to talk was during about during church during church This was his homily, right? And but I won't get into the moonlight side of it because I think he was complete. I don't even think he saw moonlight to be honest with you. He was so off with the message of moonlight. But talking about it, but he said he hated La La Land because it had a sad ending. Like he just thought they should be together and he doesn't understand why he watched this whole movie for a sad ending. And so I had a whole conversation with my mom about this too because she thought it was just funny that he was talking about movies. My mom doesn't really like movies either, but she agreed with La La Land. She was like, it shouldn't have been a sad ending. And I was like, you know what? A a sad ending is not a bad ending. You know, it doesn't always have to mean, if it earns its sadness if it earns its solemn downbeat ending then that's fine and that's what infinity war is like the um marcus and mcfeely said this just happens to be the mcu movie where the villain wins sometimes the villain's gonna win yeah. <laughs> and yeah. maybe I, fact, I mean like
2: my one of my favorite endings of all time is seven
1: yeah right I, exactly i don't even think la la is a sad ending i think la, la land's a bitter, yeah. sweet ending they both is life like life, life she happens. gets
0: her career he gets his club yeah. Like, they're not yeah. together, and in
2: fact, I'd argue that like that little nod at the end was like, "Hey, like it wasn't meant to work out." Right? Like, look, look where we are.
0: So if you tell me that's a sad ending, like this yeah. priest decided he was going to do, he's yeah. wrong. You're just that's wrong. I agree. So My number yeah. two is a quiet place, and I almost picked Hereditary because I really like both of those. And I'm not a huge horror guy. Like I like horror a lot, but my horror was like 80s slasher horror. So I like Nightmare on Elm Streets and Friday 13th and all those type of really cheesy, gory movies. Don't tell me, Jake, what happened. Um. And Quiet Place to me is a little bit more creative in terms of its world building than Hereditary is. Although I think if I rewatch Hereditary, um, it might climb up a little bit more. But Quiet Place, just the fact that like he came up with this premise or, or a premise was handed to him. Of you can't make this noise, and there are these creatures to track you down. And what he did in that premise to me was just great. It's really fun. It's really smart. It yeah, shows I, I watched it with
2: my parents. It's it's really it's so, and it's a tight ninety minutes. There isn't a wasted shot or a wasted line.
0: Well, and when you have Emily Blunt, who is like one of the most gifted actresses on the planet, yeah. you know, serving a genre film, it's great. It's tremendous. Like don't don't treat horror like a schlock. Um, she's an Academy Award worthy or winning. Did she ever win? No, no, no. I don't even think, nom- think she's ever been nominated. Prada? Was she nominated for Prada? I, I don't forget. think so. Well, she deserves it. Maybe Mary Poppins will get it. Maybe this will get it for her because she's tremendous. I know, yeah. her I, 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 Colette, unfortunately,
2: I don't feel like we're going to get two actress horror nominations. And I feel right. like if, if, if someone's going to get it, it's going to be Colette. Because unfortunately, Academies, I feel like the Academy doesn't super like popular box office hits. And yeah. it'll feel cooler. If they're going to nominate a horror film, it'll right. feel cooler to do it to Hereditary. Did you yeah, see Guillermo
1: del Toro's review of Quiet Place that came out today?
2: I no. saw that. Yeah, it's really
1: that. cool. Like John Krasinski, like retweeted. He was like freaking out about it because it was such a like it was such an amazing glowing review. Oh, that's I'll, cool. I'll, I can read it to you real quick if we have time. I don't know if yeah. we have time. Fine um, it, and I'll, I'll
0: i got bet. it right here. I got yeah. it right here.
1: He bases it in a quiet place. It, uh, it's tense, scary, yes, but Krasinski's storytelling is also classic, elegant, completely controlled. The cinematography by Charlotte Bruce uh, Christensen, superb, and the Beltrami score, spot on. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's very. I
2: mean, that's about as high as and and that and then uh, Stephen King gave a glowing review. Yes, if you're going to get a uh, a review from anybody as a as a horror director, getting it from Stephen King to me is the ultimate. Like, what more could you possibly want?
0: My number one is Infinity War. Also, um, so I'm right there with you guys yeah. um, for all the reasons that you said. It's truly to me, it's everything that Marvel built up to, um, and it delivered completely. Like, it's the fact that they. The expectations of that movie were higher than anything could have ever possibly been. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it met them and exceeded them. says everything. So Wait, that's, we, didn't, we
1: didn't give our number one, Sean. I no. know, I just jumped
0: ahead because we oh. had talked about Infinity War. Okay. Also, So I'm just letting you guys know that um, I didn't put it at two, I put it at one. So, uh, yeah. your number one. And I, I can guess each of your number ones. Kevin's is already player one. And Jake's is... Actually, um, I shit, I don't know Jake's. Um, Jake's Kevin, is probably a quiet Kevin, place. is I right? You're right on
1: mine. Ready Player One, no question. Unlike anything I've seen this year. um, Can't wait to see it again. Uh, The exhilarate, I just felt so exhilarated when I watched it. And every time I watched it, I think it was four times. It was just every time it hit me. That chase scene in the beginning is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on on camera. Uh, Just on screen. Especially in 3D IMAX. When when you jump into that massive oasis. uh, And just the 3D depth. Of that entire chase scene with King Kong uh, and the giant and the dinosaur and and just oh it was and it never it never utilized its its references and they and they never outweighed the storytelling they were there they were great they were they were aspects of the story but they never they never to me took away from the emotional quality of the story I know a lot of people feel differently about that movie but uh, I was blown away number one of the year no question
0: Hands is down. yours Quiet Place Jake no. Oh, what is it? Ready Player One.
2: Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, all, right. all right. For, oh, for yeah. a lot of for everything that Kevin just said, but like <laughs> Ready Player One. I mean, here's the deal: is like, it like, like Infinity War got made me feel a lot of stuff, but it made me feel a lot of stuff that like an exaggeration of what I felt recently because Marvel came along later in my life, so all of my like feelings toward it, I remember because they all happened fairly at least within the last ten years. Ready Player One sort of made me feel a certain amount of movie magic that I feel like I haven't felt in, yeah. in decades. That 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 as a kid discovering all those early Spielberg movies, you know, like coming across. Uh yeah, look at this! Yeah. If, if you're if you're not watching this live right now, you're not seeing a great picture of uh, of, of Spielberg. Mm-hmm. That, uh, what is
0: he
1: promoting there?
0: Ready Player One. Uh, we is have it? a clip. We have a clip that we ran on the site today. It's an exclusive clip that they gave us for the Blu-ray um, or for the digital of him directing using the VR goggles. They show scenes. him with the goggles on? Yeah, I I've been, I I've been waiting to see, to see that.
1: that footage for so It's funny cuz I, I I sat down with him for an interview for that movie and I talked about that but I didn't have any footage of it when yeah. I was airing my interviews on the air in DC and I'm like I need to get some kind of footage of like him in I the I wish VR Warner set. Brothers would have
2: released that cuz I feel like that would have helped people appreciate uh, how much work he put into It's on it. didn't he say the Blu-ray that, right, that, right now. That Schindler's List, Ready Player 1 and Saving Private Ryan are th- the three most difficult films he's ever had to make makes, in his career. I feel like I remember that. I believe it. Yeah. So so yeah. So everything, but it's just there's just a certain X factor to the magic. I mean, and yeah, there are a lot of aspects about Infinity War that I think are probably better than Ready Player One, but you can't replace like that just sheer joy of walking out of Ready Player One yeah. the first time, and the sheer joy of bringing Renan to see it, and like sitting there like staring at her face yeah. while, as she's watching it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, like did you see? Did you see that character? And and I cannot <laughs> wait to. Uh, to to rewatch it and, and pause it on Blu-ray and, and try to catch yes. all the little, little use, things that I missed.
0: Use our Twitter handle to tell us what you think is the best pick of 2018. We have to rush along. we got to get to Tim Burton. we got to talk about the films of Tim Burton. We're playing this week's yep. Hashtag Blend um, game, and it's Burton Blend. And um, I thought this one, I thought it was hard at first, but the, the, the pick I ended up was the pick I ended up with, and I didn't really waver too far off of it. But this is the order that Gabe is telling me that we have to go. Uh, Jake, you are first
2: oh cool um my I, wait, this, wait, wait. This,
1: can we guess
0: oh, Gabe? Yeah, can we guess? Really
1: guess i know jake we can guess
0: okay go ahead.
2: yeah i think kevin knows mine because I've, sp- I've spoken about it um hook at, at-, at length <laughs> how dare you jake's <laughs> gonna go with uh, big fish
0: <laughs> oh then i'll say big fish too
2: yeah yeah mine's big fish It's um, so good it's the reason it's mine is big fish and it's not because it's the least tim burton e-movie but it's because he doesn't use his style as a crutch. It's more than just Ow. "oh, look at that." Um, and Good and call. the the emotional depths that it that it takes. It tells an amazing story. It, it covers this idea of growing up, thinking that, that your, your your parents are these certain images and these certain heroes, and that sometimes whenever you get older, you realize that maybe they're just not that. And and you know, as Billy Crudup got older, he kind of realized that you know his father Albert Finney. You know, isn't this amazing person that, that he told all these stories that when he was a kid? And then as he starts to lose his father, he realized, well, maybe he's a shade of that and isn't that good enough. Um, and, and sometimes that's all they need to be. And and maybe their stories outlive them. And, you know, you don't get to keep your parents forever. And so, like, all you have whenever they're gone are those stories. And why shouldn't they be big and bombastic and fantastic and these big fish kind of tales? I just think it's it's just one of the most beautiful, honestly, beautiful movies that have come out so far this this century. And uh, I think it's easily far and away his his best movie. And the performances are fantastic. It's a great ensemble cast. And he he tells a story rather than saying, look at my style as Tim Burton.
0: Two things on Big Fish. Um, One, I'm delighted that he didn't use Johnny Depp. Like just having Mm -hmm. him use Ewan McGregor was like, oh, great, you don't have to use Johnny Depp all the time. And we get Mm -hmm. to see another shade of someone else interpreting your work. And I think that's fantastic. That really yeah. helps it. You and McGregor,
2: um, I would I'd argue, did better in that role than Johnny Depp ever would have.
0: Yeah, totally. Oh, completely. Um, The, uh, the storytelling father, uh, Albert Finney. Albert um, Finney. That's my father. And I lost my father a long time ago. And he was a storyteller like that. And uh, he exaggerated the truth. And he just was like, he held court all the time. And so many people after that movie came out, like were sending me texts and emails. They were just like, Oh my God, you realize that that's your father. And I was like, yeah, yeah. no, I know I get it. It's a compliment. Oh, totally. It's yeah. Cool. But yeah. it was that I have a soft yeah. spot for that movie for that yeah. reason. So,
2: and that, and that's probably one of my like top three. Just like if I watched the last 10 minutes, just crush just ugly cries, just sobbing. Yeah. It's a beautiful
0: yeah. film. Um, I get to go next and you guys get to guess.
1: I mean, based on what you just said, no. I would think big fish. Cause it reminded you so much of your father.
0: Correct. That's one of my Ooh. favorite Burton's, but not his best.
1: Ah! Uh, oh wow! Oh, so, uh, oh, you, uh, the Big Fish is not
2: his best. I feel like it's it's whatever his pick is has to surprise us because it's going to anger us.
0: No! Oh no! No! I my going? my top my twenty eighteen. I thought would anger. us. Oh okay. Was.
2: All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go traditional Burton. I'm gonna say uh, Scissorhands.
1: Uh Ed Wood.
0: It is hands. Just hands, And Jake and I were having this conversation um, early on that like with a lot of filmmakers like Tim Burton who have a distinct style that they kind of keep repeating over and over again, their earliest films tend to be their most personal and the closest to the film that like when they're starving artists who just need to make the movie that's like top of mind for them, um, that's what it ends up being. So for him, it was like Beetlejuice and then it was Edward hands, And I think Burton has always wanted to do um, a fairy tale type movie, like an alternate fairy tale to the grim fairy tales that he likes, and those type of storytelling. And then all the films that sort of not not all of them that came after, it, but things like Sleepy Hollow, um, were just they fit the Tim Burton mold. Even the way that he did Sweeney Todd sort of fit that mold. So I went back to Scissorhands because a it's it's probably the best collaboration between him and, and Johnny Depp. I think it uses Depp's weirdness to the to the best of its ability. Uh, great Winona on a rider. Um, and, and Tim Burton loves doing stories about just outcasts. Like he always like from his Batman is a total outcast. Right. And, and when he did Charlie chocolate factory, which Jake has given me a hard time because I love his interpretation of Charlie. I,
2: I do not like that movie.
0: I love it. Um, and I just like the simple added element of his father being a dentist Makes me laugh so hard. I think that's a really funny way to talk about why Wonka is the way that he's Wonka. And I think the stuff, the new threats on the on the newer versions of the kids are great. The squirrel scene is great. I think it's weird. I think it's really funny. But anyway, Hands is my choice for the most complete um, and best version of a Tim Burton film. Whereas I think a lot of the other ones have heaps of Tim Burton... Uh, applied to them i think that's the story that he was always sort of i mean i love Scissor hands. Like, if, if, like
2: if i were to give big fish a 10 i'd give Hands like a 9.8 so that would definitely be one of the ones that like would be an alternate pick if big fish didn't exist so kevin a great pick
0: goes next and i um am going to say that kevin uh probably picked ed wood
2: yeah i think ed wood just because of his love of a uh, love of film i think i could see kevin being a massive ed wood fan
0: oh, oh yes
1: Yay! Everyone is her hands. I'm the odd man out. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, they win. What, Jake loses. I just, <laughs> I,
1: I just, I, I just think that the impact of that movie is so understated. Like I've never seen anybody capture Suburbicon like he did. Just the suburb, like the just the neighborhood. I don't know why, but every time I see a neighborhood that looks like that, I think I think everyone is hands. Um, <laughs> that's not, not the reason why I love the film. I just, I just, I just, there's there's so much to love about that movie. I think that. Uh, Johnny Depp, just being this beautiful monster, um that you kind of have to you fall in love with and you genuinely feel awful that he ha- that he looks the way he does. and you and you kind of um, hope you can change him or hope change you can change people's perception of him. Um, the movie is downright scary at times. Like it kind of juggles this horror element with this romantic element with this. Um, dramatic element. There's just so much going on in that film I'd also
0: argue great comedy in it, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. great
0: physical comedy. It's got, a, it's
1: got a wicked sense of humor. It yeah.
0: actually juggles
1: like almost every genre. Yeah, Like th- and that. And that's kind of hard to do. I mean, the horror element, the Frankenstein element to the character, and then you have Depp's performance is just unbelievable. I always found that that sexual tension... Very interesting between that woman um, with the red hair who Mm. kind of like is into him. I I I I, that always felt so interesting to watch play out on screen. Um, There's just something about that movie that just it it just speaks volumes. I don't think any of it ever says to me, "Oh, this is Tim Burton trying to do Tim Burton style." I mean, like this is early on. Um, This was this was actually a a film that kind of set a standard for what Burton kind of delivered as a filmmaker um but it was new i i felt it was new when i first saw it and And don't
0: you feel that his films after that like the planet of the apes movie and like jake was even saying like the fact that he's doing dumbo it it, it might be good but it feels like oh someone just handed him dumbo and was like put tim burton stuff on this
2: the last 15 years have been tim burton's version of right whether it's dark shadows or alice in wonderland or you know even even like like Sleepy Hollow is perfect for him. But like, I love I, Sleepy like, Hollow. Oh, Sleepy Hollow is great. But like yeah. I mean, talk about a movie tailor made for him. That's yeah. just about as you know he, as much. But like I don't need his version of stuff anymore. Like like he like go back
0: to which is like why Big Fish is really great yeah, too. Yeah, because it stands yeah.
2: out because because it's not a it's not a well, it was based on a book, but it's not like a pre existing well known IP. You know sure. what my
0: number two was Sweeney
2: what? Todd.
1: Oh, and nice. I think I think Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, Todd is oh my god that movie. Wow! Like the just—I love that movie. I just don't particularly like the music. Oh, and I love I think the music. That's
2: what keeps me jo- from like Anna. super boom.
1: like the
2: songs don't super do. I think the story is fantastic. I almost kind of wish it weren't a. It I sounds don't think, horrible. I wish it weren't a musical. I, I, I like him. Johnny Depp can
0: sing.
1: I
2: think he's, he's fine. That, he's
0: got
1: that rock star. Hey, it's not—it's no rock. Pierce Brosnan from Mamma Mia, but it's definitely or Russell Crowe. Listen, I actually defended Russell Crowe for Les Mis. I actually <laughs> thought that Les Mis. I like that he wasn't like this Broadway singer. I thought Mm. that when Hugh Jackman sang, it was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. But going back to Edward Edward Scissorhands, it is, in my opinion, his best movie just because it juggles so many genres. Because Depp, I think, is probably the best he's ever been. That or Fear and Loathing, I have to debate on that. But I know Fear and Loathing's not burton i know it's gilliam but i i i just think that it's it's just a, it's such a great movie but from every element and to be able to juggle that many genres in one movie and do it fluidly and seamlessly uh it's pretty amazing so also quick
2: note one? if you guys if, if people that are listening or people that are watching and you love um uh tim burton check out an artist named edward Gorey, who a lot of people say is uh where tim burton sort of got his style from Uh, it's, he's, he's one of my favorite artists and essentially it's like, it's like seeing a canvas of Tim Burton's art. He he had a really twisted sense of humor, much like Tim Burton does. In fact, I've got a piece on on my wall across the way, um, that features, it's called, uh, the, the, the Ghastly Crumb Tinies and it's a very Tim Burton looking piece. And it's also, it goes with a, a poem that he wrote and it's 26 lines about 26 kids who die. And it's huh. like, a is, a is for Adam who fared up, fell down the stairs. B is for Basil who's eaten by bears. And it just keeps going. And so that the image is 26 kids with like death behind them. And it's a very Tim Burton. And so apparently Tim Burton was obsessed with Edward Gorey's work. So uh, if you, if you like Tim Burton, do yourself a favor and
1: look up Edward Gorey. Cause uh, they, the two go hand. You don't, you don't uh, get Tim Burton without Edward Gorey. I do find it so fascinating. And this is again, I, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm a, I'm above this or you, or we're all above this how many people think Tim Burton directed Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, uh, and, Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I thought it for a long I, time. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I'm guilty of that. When I was a well, kid.
2: because they, they also yeah. re uh, repackaged it as, once it became popular as Tim Burton presents right. Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't direct it.
1: And there were so many years that I was in middle school, yeah. high school, where I thought Tim Burton was the director. Yeah. It's, and, it's a very common mistake. I don't yeah. think it
2: against anybody for thinking that. Yeah. I understand so, why people think that.
1: People were shocked when that wasn't one of the choices yeah. I was debating. I was like, no, 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 it's Henry Selleck. But yeah. most people would agree that that was actually more. Well, of a wasn't Tim he? Movie. Was he doing it's Batman Returns
2: at that time? Like he, like he was going to direct it and I then remember. had to step away. I feel like he he was doing something else. But for all intents and purposes, he pretty much directed it. But Henry Selleck yeah. gets the directed by credit. So I went to we, a we MoMA. Could,
1: I went to a MoMA exhibit in New York when they did a Tim Burton thing. Uh, be cool. It was the most incredible. I'll never forget this. My mom. We. It was sold out. My mom went up to the cash register and kind of. Talked her way into getting four tickets, wow. and we went in. And the, I mean, I'll never forget this. There was a letter on the wall of a teacher who told him he was never going to amount to anything, and, he, and his <laughs> stuff was like too weird. And he kept it. And he kept it. Um, but the craziest awesome. thing was going to uh, when we got around to like the nightmare before Christmas element of the of the exhibit. There was a a case with like I don't even know dozens and dozens of Jack Skellington's heads. Um, and it just kind of solidified the stop-motion element of what a filmmaker does, and when Jack Skellington changes his facial expressions in a matter of 10 seconds, that could be 30 different heads, and it was just, like, amazing seeing all the different little expressions that someone would make. Like, stop-motion, to me, has to be the most tedious, brilliant type of filmmaking I could ever imagine, because I would not have the patience to do that, Um, and to break that down and looking at something like that, and it also... God, Danny Elfman singing, and then a different guy voicing um, Skellington. So that I still consider that a Tim Burton movie. But if we're sticking to our rules here directing-wise, I'm definitely going Edward Scissorhands. But if we were just looking at a scope of his movies and like movies he's been involved in, that's, that's my favorite movie he ever made. No Do you question. know the
0: audience pick? Uh,
1: uh, Pee Wee
2: Herman, I, probably. I would probably say either Beetlejuice or Edward Scissorhands. Batman. Oh, okay. The audience
0: playing along chose Batman.
2: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's dated. That's that's, that's the thing. It's such an eighties movie, it's like so dated. like Nicholson dancing around a prince. Like <laughs> I'm not saying that's bad, but like I mean, we're, we're we're and I actually prefer Batman Returns to Batman. To me, Batman Returns is a much better example of what Tim Burton can do.
0: Do you know what I prefer? Nolan's Batman. <laughs> we can't do that. But if you're talking Tim Burton, <laughs> yeah. fair You guys enough.
2: ever hear the story about why Tim Burton didn't do the third one, or a big reason why? Because it because sucks. well because McDonald's, who had a deal to do Batman Happy Meals, they were so upset after Batman Returns because it was such like a dark, demented, weird S&M film. Yeah. And they came to Warner Brothers and were like, hey, we have to sell Happy Meal toys. You need to like clean this up. And apparently Warner Brothers told Tim Burton, "Like, hey, you have to give us the kind of movie we can make Happy Meal toys for. And he goes, nah, I'm good.
0: Yeah, good. Good for him. Yeah. I love it. I'd, I, wish, I'd, I wonder what he went to do oh. instead of that.
2: Arthur, uh, Arthur just actually told me something I did not know. I did not know that was if it's true or not. But he said that that poem that I said about Edward Gorey that actually Tim Burton wrote that poem. Oh, get uh, out about, of here! About, yeah, I did not, uh, Arthur. That's you educated me on something I did not know that. So there you
0: go. That's, that's awesome. So that, to
2: me, that that solidifies the connection between the two. So Arthur, so, thank you. I did not know that.
0: Next week's uh, blend it comes with some explanation and uh, oh. a little bit of sadness because we're not going to have uh, Kevin in the third chair, unfortunately. Um, next week's show will not be live. It will not be on the Facebook page. We're going to record it um, when we get an opportunity to. Kevin is going on um, a vacation, and so and Jake and I going on a cruise. Yes, and Jake and I are going to meet a cruise. Basically, Um, two of us are off to Paris to do the Mission Impossible junket. So Jake and I are going to do a show from Paris, and we're going to have a um, guest. We're not sure who we're trying to work on it, but we'll have that. So next week's blend that everybody can play along with, and Kevin, you can give us your pick as you think about it. Is going to be hashtag Paris Blend. Where we will do movies that are about the city of Paris or set in the city of Paris or have some cool scene in Paris, and we'll talk about it while we're in Paris, drinking wine from Paris, (laughs) and missing Kevin. Who ironically,
2: like we're going to hang out with Tom Cruise, and then Kevin is going on a cruise. On a cruise, and
1: I I told Jake and John (laughs) who are going to be interviewing Tom Cruise to ask Tom Cruise if he's ever been on a cruise yes, and if he has did he walk on and kind of giggle to himself <laughs> and then and, and I, I think these are all legitimate questions I mean wouldn't you want to know if Tom Cruise has been on a cruise I think, I think that's an important I don't think
0: I've ever
2: cared about anything
0: less than I truthfully question. think Kevin don't you think that the only reason Jake won an Emmy is because he did a segment about Hamilton and his last name is Hamilton oh yeah
2: oh no no yeah. that, that,
1: that's what happened I, I, I don't like even think
2: they even watched something. the segment that's how I won my second yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we're getting technical on this sure. show. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> next Jake, week's... Jake didn't uh, talk now. To the, for, first, for, for, the first, the first Emmy I won was for something called Jake's Takes, and I won that one because. My name rhymes with yeah. where it takes. As Jake wins more
1: Emmys, he he uh, I, he can't talk to me for a month. Like, that, that's part of his deal. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. The Emmy win is such a big deal that I can't
0: even text him. Oh, if
2: I, if I ever win a third one, I'm never coming on this podcast. <laughs> oh, you can't afford does, me. I hope that doesn't happen. You cannot afford three-time Emmy winner Jake Hamilton.
0: As Jake just uh, let everybody know, he is at Jake's Takes. I'm going to say that for him this week. He's on social. Uh, Kevin, where are you at? On social media.
1: I am at, at, I am at, at shot with IMAX cameras this week.
0: All right, fair enough. And I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. We are all at at Real Blend. Um, We want to hear your Tim Burton picks. We want to hear your best movies of 2018. We will be uh, taped next week from the city of Paris. Uh, with Jake and I, and then a guest third chair while Kevin vacations, and then we'll be back the following week to talk about Skyscraper and Mission Impossible. Um, Do we have to? Fallout. Yeah, well, I th- did you see it? No. Well, yeah, I did when it was called Die Hard. Oh, shoot. Alright, fair enough. Uh, and all the other fun things that are coming to theaters. So, thank you very much for tuning in and watching us on the Facebook page. Please leave us a review, and we will read it at the top of the show, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Dunkirk! Adios.